Welcome to the Dr. Mudgill Podcast. This is episode 84. We are at uh, the very end of June, just a couple of days of June left here. July is upon us. July 4th is coming up. July 5th, a very important day. You know, the doc's birthday coming up. I love my birthday, so my birthday week officially begins this weekend. Um, so hopefully there'll be lots of cake and lots of celebrating. Um, but, uh, you know, another month has gone by. My kids are in the throes of their summer vacation. So it's uh, it's a fun time for our family. We, you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit and we all chill a bit. Um, and, you know, it's really a wonderful time of the year. So I hope you are all enjoying summer um, and are have great plans this summer and, you know, just looking forward to a very restful next few months because when September rolls around, the grind ensues, at least in the Mudgill household and I'm pretty sure most of your households as well. Um, so anyways... So this podcast, you know, today some big news came out. Um, the Supreme Court ruled on affirmative action. And um, again, this is not going to be a political podcast. You know, I, you know, my feelings on affirmative action kind of fall right in the gray area. Um, uh, but I do think it's something that's important. Um, you know, I've, my kids, my daughter is going to start the college admissions process in the next year or so. Something that, you know, we've all been thinking about. Um and there's, you know, lots of changes that are happening. You know, lots of schools are becoming test optional now where SAT and ACT scores don't need to be submitted. You know, I think for Columbia, for instance, they don't accept scores anymore. Um, you know, affirmative action is obviously a big topic. Um, there were a couple of lawsuits that went to the Supreme Court, which we'll discuss. Um, but, you know, I thought it's uh, it's obviously a highly charged topic. It's a politically charged topic. This podcast is not meant to be political in any way, but I just thought I'd share, it's actually a pretty good article from the New York Times where they basically present, you know, various justices' views on uh, the decision that was made today. So I'm going to actually, like, I guess, kind of like read the article, uh, share it with you guys, and then, you know, add some commentary. So uh, this article was actually in today's New York Times, and it highlights, it's the highlights of the affirmative action opinions and dissents. Um, in a sign of complexity and politically charged nature of the issue, the majority opinion written by Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr. was accompanied by three concurring opinions and two dissenting ones. The Supreme Court on Thursday struck down race-conscious admissions policies for most colleges and universities across the country in a pair of cases challenging affirmative action at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. In a sign of the complexity and politically charged nature of the issue, the majority opinion written by Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr., was accompanied by three concurring opinions and two dissenting ones. The vote was six to three. Here are some excerpts. In his opinion, Chief Justice John Roberts said giving black and Latino applicants an edge over white and Asian applicants in the name of diversity violated the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution's 14th Amendment. And this is an excerpt from Chief Justice John Roberts' statement. The Harvard and UNC admissions program cannot be reconciled with the guarantees of the Equal Protection Clause. Both programs lack sufficiently focused and measurable objectives warranting the use of race, unavoidably employ race in a negative manner, involve race stereotyping, and lack of meaningful endpoints. We have never permitted admissions programs to work in that way, and we will not do so today. However, his opinion exempted military academies from the ruling, citing the potentially distinct interests they present. Admissions committees at colleges, he added, could consider race as long it was limited to the specific context of personal essays. Nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise. 
But despite the dissent's assertion to the contrary, universities may not simply establish through application essays or other means the regime we hold unlawful today. In his concurring opinion, Justice Clarence Thomas reiterated his longstanding view that affirmative action hurts some of the people it is intended to help, including by stigmatizing students who would have been admitted regardless of race. He argued that the Constitution requires colorblind government policies. And before I read Justin Clarence Thomas's uh, excerpt, um, you know, Michelle Obama actually wrote something kind of similar. She was she she went to Princeton. I believe she went to Princeton, and she uh, talked about when she was at Princeton. You know, even though she was very academically gifted and you know most certainly deserved to be there based on her academic merit alone. Sometimes she felt this weight on her shoulders, like, you know, are, are other students thinking I'm here because I was admitted because of affirmative action, et cetera. Anyways, if you, like, follow her Instagram, or you could probably find her excerpts, you know, anywhere online. But I thought it was worthwhile reading, and I thought it was very good commentary. Anyways, Justin's, Justice Clarence Thomas says, The solution to our nation's racial problems thus cannot come from policies grounded in affirmative action or some other conception of equity. Racism simply cannot be undone by different or more racism, racialism. Sorry. Instead, the solution announced in the second founding is incorporated in our Constitution, that we are equal and we should be treated equally before the law without regard to our race. Only that promise can allow us to look past our differing skin colors and identities and see each other for what we truly are. Individuals with unique thoughts, perspectives and goals, but with equal dignity and equal rights under the law. In a dissenting opinion, Justice Sonia Sotomayor argued that the Supreme Court has turned its back on 45 years of jurisprudence aimed at promoting more inclusive and equal schools. And this is what Justice Sonia Sotomayor said. Today, this court stands in the way and rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. It holds that race can no longer be used in a limited way in college admissions to achieve such critical benefits. In so holding, the court cements a superficial rule of colorblindness as a constitutional principle in an endemically segregated society where race has always mattered and continues to matter. The court subverts the constitutional guarantee of equal protection by further entrenching racial inequality in education, the very foundation for our democratic government and pluralistic society. In dueling footnotes, Chief Justice Roberts, in his majority opinion, and Justice Kintanji Brown-Jackson, in a dissent, argued over what statistics show about the effective admission policies that consider race as a factor. The Chief Justice cited statistics compiled by the plaintiffs, Students for Fair Admissions. And this is what Chief Justice John Roberts cited. According to SFFA's expert, over 80% of all black applicants in the top academic decile, so that's like the top 10%, were admitted to UNC, while under 70% of white and Asian applicants in that decile were admitted. So what it's saying is if you were in the top 10% of your class, 80% of black applicants were admitted, and if you were white or Asian, less than 70% of those same, you know, folks with the same academic qualifications were admitted. In the second highest academic decile, so that's, you know, in the 80th percentiles, the disparity is even starker. 83% of black applicants were admitted, while 58% of white applicants and 47% of Asian applicants were admitted. In the third highest decile, so that's in, you know, if you're in the 70s percentile, 77% of black applicants were admitted compared to 48% of white applicants and 34% of Asian applicants. That's actually a pretty crazy statistic if you think about it. In her own footnote, Justice Jackson criticized the majority for using back-of-envelope calculations based on the plaintiff's own measure of what counts as academic excellence. 
Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson says, even when the majority's ad hoc statistical analysis taken at face value, it hardly supports what the majority wishes to intimate, that black students are being admitted based on UNC's myopic focus on race and race alone. As the district court observed, if these black students were largely defined in admissions process by their race, one would expect to find that every such student demonstrating academic excellence would be admitted. Justice Sotomayor and Jackson also criticized the majority for making an exception for military academies. The rationale, according to the majority, was that the military needed to maintain affirmative action in training its officer corps because leadership cater should reflect the diversity of the rank-and-file troops who do bulk of fighting and dying in wars. Justice Sotomayor called it arbitrary to focus on the military, while Justice Jackson was more scathing. And this is what Justice Jackson said. The court has come to rest on the bottom line conclusion that racial diversity in higher education is only worth potentially preserving insofar as it might be needed to prepare black Americans and other underrepresented minorities for success in the bunker, not the boardroom, a particularly awkward place to land in light of the history of, in light of the history of the majority opts to ignore. It would be deeply unfortunate if the Equal Protection Clause actually demanded this perverse, historical, and counterproductive outcome. To impose this result in that clause's name when it requires no such thing and that thereby obstruct our collective progress towards the full realization of the clause's promise is truly a tragedy for us all. Chief Justice Roberts criticized the dissenting views on various grounds but said the worst was that upholding affirmative action required courts to pick which race to favor. I'm almost done, sorry. Chief Justice Roberts says, most troubling of all is what the dissent must make these omissions to defend, a judiciary that picks winners and losers based on the color of their skin. While the dissent would certainly not permit university programs that discriminated against black and Latino applicants, it is perfectly willing to let programs here continue. In its view, the court is supposed to tell state actors when they have picked the right races to benefit. While declaring that the majority's vision of race neutrality will entrench racial segregation in higher education because racial inequality will persist so long as it is ignored, and lamenting the devastating impact of this decision cannot be overstated, Justice Sotomayor also ended on a defiant note for supporters of diversity. And this is what she closes with saying, Notwithstanding this court's actions, however, society's progress towards equality cannot be permanently halted. Diversity is now a fundamental American value housed in our varied and multicultural American community, that only continues to grow. The pursuit of racial diversity will go on. Although this court has stripped out almost all uses of race in college admissions, universities can and should continue to use all available tools to meet society's needs for diversity in education. Despite the court's unjustified exercise of power, the opinion today will serve only to highlight the court's own impotence in the face of an America whose cries for equality resound. All right, so that's the article. So you may see it's a hot topic and... It was, uh, you know, the justices really you know, got into some heated uh, uh, arguments about this. Um, again, this is not meant to be a political podcast. You know, I just think it's a riveting change in, you know, the scope of college admissions. Um, I think affirmative action for, gosh, I mean, when I was applying to college, affirmative action was a very big part of some folks you know, applications and admissions to various colleges. Um, listen, I, I think, you know, colleges do benefit from having diversity, but I think that diversity should also be based on folks of various socioeconomic backgrounds, um, you know, various places that, that they live, coming, you know, from different parts of the country, et cetera. There's lots of ways to have a diverse class. And I think the most 
important type of diversity is actually socioeconomic diversity. And one of the articles I read, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's, uh, you could be, you know, a lot of the affirmative action, quote unquote, affirmative action admissions were affluent, underrepresented minorities in these schools, um, which obviously is not the intended purpose of what affirmative action was intended to be. Um, the other thing is, I do think, you know, in fields where someone's life is on the line, like, you know, uh, as doctors, pilots, you know, I, I think it should be the person who's most qualified for the job that gets the acceptance uh, to like medical school, pilot school, whatever the case may be. Because when someone is sick, if someone is dying of cancer, if someone's on their death's, you know, death's door, I think you most certainly want the smartest, most qualified person there taking care of you and someone who can, you know, optimize your chance of survival. So anyways, this is a very complex topic. Um, you know, it's one that I'm quite frankly, I'm, I don't have a, a, an answer for. And it's something that in my own mind, you know, rolls around and, you know, I can certainly see both sides of, of the issue, but, um, Something for us all to think about, you know, this weekend, the weeks to come through the summer, you know, probably for a very, very long time, especially those of us who have kids who are going to be applying to college in the coming year or years. Um, so with that, I hope you all have a wonderful, restful weekend. I'm ready to just crush and dominate the week ahead. Happy 4th to everybody. And uh, I'll see you at the next podcast. Let's get it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. The full video for this podcast can be found on either YouTube or Facebook. Let's get it.